May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So thus far, as we have been considering uh, the Great Commission, really, as our theme this year for our school and our church, we've made it through Matthew 28, 19-20, and, and we've heard about going and making disciples and baptizing. And as I said at the beginning of the service, now we're to that part where Jesus says, go and make disciples by teaching them, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you and that's a lot. Uh, everything that Jesus has commanded. Like I said, how do, you, how do you wrap your head around that? To know what it is that Jesus wants us to know, to learn that, to teach that to everybody else, and how do you fit it into the time slot available? Well, I'm kind of going to use the epistle reading uh, as a way that helped me wrap my head around this and a way to kind of condense some of what I was thinking and invite you to consider using the same. So our epistle reading from 2 Timothy, we're hearing Paul write what are his final words. He knows that he's in his final days. He, he senses that unlike some of his other times of being in prison, there, there's no more light of day. This really isn't going to end in any other way than that Paul's life will be demanded of him. And Paul's at peace. He's ready to make that sacrifice. And he's writing to Timothy. Timothy is a pastor of a congregation in Ephesus. And Paul and Timothy have had this long and very close relationship for a number of years Paul has really been like a father to Timothy. They are brothers in the ministry, but, but their relationship is, is more than that. There's that mutual love and affection between them. And Timothy knows that this world is hostile to his faith, hostile to Jesus, hostile to Christianity. He's seen that. He's seen and experienced that for himself, but he's seen it especially in Paul's own life. Because Paul, because of his faith in Jesus, has suffered countless things in countless ways. Paul has brought that message of Jesus. He has done his part to fulfill that great commission to, to teach all nations about Jesus. And he's gone all over the Mediterranean with that good news. But wherever Paul has gone, he has experienced all kinds of suffering. Slander, beatings, imprisonment, both by Jews and non-Jews alike. It really didn't matter. Everybody had it in for Paul. And he experienced it all for one reason and one reason only, because of his faith. Because he bore Jesus' name and proclaimed Jesus' name. If he would have stopped doing that, his life probably would have looked so different. And so, you know what Paul is thinking, maybe, 
as he's coming to the end, and he's writing to his dear friend Timothy. And maybe you you know a little bit about what Timothy is thinking, too. So if these are to be Paul's last words to Timothy, what would you say if you were Paul? Put yourself in his shoes. What would you say to a young protege? Run. Get away. Find another job. Find an easier way to live. This just isn't worth it. You take on fire from the enemy. You take on friendly fire. Everywhere you go, you will suffer. I mean, at the very least, you'd kind of expect Paul to give Timothy some practical hints. And here's how to mitigate or minimize some of the suffering that you could experience. But that's not what Paul says. That's not Paul's message to Timothy. Instead, Paul's message to Timothy is one of encouragement. Paul exhorts Timothy to continue in that faith, that faith that he has had from infancy. Timothy's mother and grandmother were key figures in his life to to teach him the scriptures, to teach him about Jesus. Paul was there too, but it it began in his own home. And Paul's saying, keep reading God's word. Keep learning. But more than that, Timothy, keep proclaiming that message. Keep teaching others about it. Because in Paul's mind... That message of Jesus Christ, the good news of salvation by grace, in faith, in Jesus, that is a message that has never been more important than the times that Timothy is facing right now. But Paul doesn't overextend himself either. He doesn't make any grandiose promises to Timothy, saying, if you are faithful, if you continue in this faith, if you continue preaching this message and teaching others, then this is what great success you will find. He doesn't say that. Instead, he exhorts Timothy to be faithful, to continue to teach the words of Jesus to others. And simply let the Holy Spirit do his job. Timothy, you must be faithful, but let God be the one that brings forth the fruit. And as you think about Paul and Timothy's respective situations, you might wonder, is this really the best time to be teaching others about Jesus? Or to put it another way, Do you think there's a bad time to learn more about Jesus? Paul doesn't think so. He thinks every time is the right time, that now is that opportune time. And so now is the time for you and for me to keep learning, to keep ourselves in God's word, to hear God's word as it is preached, but more than that, to proclaim that word to teach that word to others, to bring that word to others by by our own words, by our actions, by our deeds, by the way that we live our lives. Now is the time. We may think, it seems like such a bad time 
But Paul says, no, now is the time. As we're thinking about now being the time, we are reflective of, of our civil calendar. And we know that November 11th is set aside in our nation for Veterans Day. It's set aside as that time for us to celebrate and honor the veterans, uh, those who are, are serving, those who have served in the military, and to thank them, to thank them for their service and for their sacrifice. And every year as we face this day, I'm always reminded of how unaware I am of how much these people have given up. I have the opportunity sometimes to visit with some of our members, and especially as I've talked with the older ones, I get to hear some of the stories, especially of, of those wars of long ago and the things that they've experienced. One of our members, as I talked with him, he told me about his service in the Pacific during World War II. And one of the times, and there were probably several times like this, that that they were in their ship and they were sitting ducks. Uh, The Japanese bombers could could have got them, could have bombed them, could have caused much suffering and death and damage, except for the saving grace of a cloud, a fog that came in and completely enveloped their ship and covered them hid them from the enemy. They were safe. They were protected. And I can only imagine that to be on that ship on that day, how many prayers of thanksgiving would have gone up to God. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for this cloud, this fog, for keeping us safe. It's hard to imagine being in that situation. I've also talked uh, to a spouse of a veteran, and she Again, to me and to my world, this, this is unimaginable because we're so connected. You can, you can Skype, you can video chat, you can send text, instant messages. We're always connected, and yet she was telling stories about when her husband was at war that you would go months at a time without hearing anything, without knowing anything, without knowing where your husband was at, without knowing whether he was safe or wounded, was he even alive. You just didn't know. And yet, you were at home. You were with the family. You just had to continue on. You had to keep on living that life. And as I think about some of their stories, again, I'm reminded of how special these people are. What great tenacity they have. What great optimism. What great hope they have. Uh, Because today you can choose to serve in the military, but... In some of those wars of years gone by, you didn't have a choice. When your number came up, you, you served. You went. I was reading another story. Uh, this isn't about one of our members, but it's about a, a general in World War II, General, An- general Anthony McCulloch, who was a general during the Battle of the Bulge. And there's a story about how his, uh, his group got surrounded by the Germans And they were given that demand by the Germans to surrender. And General McAuliffe said no. Well, he said some other words, but the response was no. And so you imagine, what would you tell your men as you are in that position, that you are surrounded, that the enemy has just demanded your surrender and you said no? I might get the quotation a little bit wrong, but this was the general gist of what General McAuliffe said to his men. 
He told them, men, we are surrounded by the enemy. But you don't understand. We have the greatest opportunity ever given to the military because now we can attack the enemy from any side we want. I don't know how well that message was received. You sort of have to be a special kind of crazy to buy into that, don't you? But the more I thought about that response, the more I thought about our own situation. And I started to understand that even though I don't understand all of the sacrifices that our veterans make, maybe there's more of a connection to our personal lives than I first thought. Because Paul, as he has written in his epistles, maybe not in Second Timothy, but certainly elsewhere, he has taught other Christians that we live in a world at war. And the warfare that Paul was talking about was not a warfare that was being fought on, on soil by military with, with guns and weapons. He was talking about spiritual war. The spiritual warfare all around, as Paul would say, that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against all the powers and principalities, the spiritual forces of darkness. For the ultimate war that is at hand is a war between God and his angels, and Satan and all of the fallen angels. And sometimes we're aware of this war, sometimes we're not. Sometimes we think this is a war against people. But there's this greater war happening. And that's the context that you have to understand the Great Commission in. That's the context that Jesus is sending his disciples out into. See, earlier in Jesus' ministry, he had sent the disciples out before, two by two, into places ahead of him. And as he did, he told the disciples, here's an encouraging message, he told them, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Sounds a lot like General McAuliffe, doesn't it? It kind of sounds like a no-win scenario. It sounds like a recipe for disaster. And yet, that's what Jesus did. He sent his disciples out like that. And that's what Paul is sending Timothy out into as well. And we might think, is this really the right time now? You've got to be serious. We're taking on enemy fire. This, this ministry is harder than it has ever been before. The world rejects this message. The world is teaching another message, and you want us to go out there now? Or maybe you're fighting personally your own inner battles against these spiritual forces, and you may say, now is not the time, pastor. Now is not the time. I need to tend to my own wounds. See, sometimes we might think that we are surrounded, that the enemy has us right where he wants us. But I think if we hear Jesus' words, if we hear Paul's words, we would understand the situation differently. It's not that the enemy has us where he wants us, it's that God has us where he wants us. And God has the world where he wants them. See, he has us where he wants us because He sends us out. 
he sends us out with that message of Jesus Christ because now is the time to share that message. That message is needed now more than ever. Yes, we are going into a hostile world. We are going out into a world of sin and darkness, but we are going out with the light of Jesus. He sends us forth to be that light in this world. We think, okay, but Jesus' words, they're not easy, are they? He sends us out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Like, he's sending us out to be slaughtered. But again, we have to understand everything that Jesus said and did. Jesus might have said, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. But Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. The sacrificial lamb of God who laid down his own life for sinners. That is for you, for me, for the whole world. So Jesus doesn't see sending us out into the world, the world as enemies. He sends us out into the world that he died for. And he sends us out not in defeat, but in victory. For although battles are still being waged, we know that the ultimate victory has been won, that Jesus won that victory for us at the cross. He defeated sin, death, and all of the power of Satan and his fallen angels. Satan doesn't give up easily, but the battle is won. And Jesus sends his disciples forth. He sends us forth with that promise that I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so to Paul and Timothy, to us sometimes, it might look that we are to go and to preach a message that will bring us suffering, that will make our lives more difficult, that that to stand with Jesus means that we will suffer. But Jesus assures us of one other thing. That to stand with him in this life means that we are standing with him in his victory. And we will stand with him forevermore in that same victory. So you may think, it's a bad time. No, now is a great time. Now is a great time for us to continue in that faith. To continue learning God's word but also to continue to teach, to continue to proclaim that word, the words of Jesus, everything that he has done to the whole world. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, your Lord and victorious Savior. Amen.